Welcome. You are listening to Mountain View Scattered. This is an audio companion to our weekly church gatherings. It is a way to stay connected while you are away and to learn more about our community, how we can best reach and serve it. I'm your host, Wade. Always, God has sent messengers to speak His word. He has sent angels. He has sent priests and prophets, apostles. He sent a donkey once, and He even sends me and you. So, you and I both know that words can be powerful. And words can hurt, or words can heal. We also know that words can totally lose their power, perhaps when you're dealing with a disobedient child, or a disobedient parent, (laughs) or your disobedient self. However, we say together always that when God speaks, things happen. When God speaks, things happen. We see this taking place in creation. God spoke, and out of nothing came everything. We see this in the promises that God made to Adam and to Noah and to Abraham and David and to you and to me. We see this, though, most clearly and most importantly for the reasons why we're here today, when God the Son takes on humanness, And him, the word of God, who is a word of action, a word that makes things happen, takes nothing and makes something good out of it. And more specifically, he comes, he takes nothing that is in chaos, right? And he makes something good and he declares peace upon it. As your pastor, I've been praying over this last week that you would have a peaceful start to this holiday season. But throughout an influx of people and with stores being filled up and with roads being hectic and with unrest in the community, let's be honest, that prayer kind of seems like a joke, doesn't it? Because all the time we are fed false peace. Tara and I had the privilege of going somewhere on some night this week and singing carols. And it was great. We had fun singing carols outside, everyone enjoying it. And yet, as I was listening to the carols, knowing what I was going to be preaching about, you hear this word peace come up over and over and over again. And usually it's peace, peace, or peace In the whole world, these are things we don't really know, right? There is a lack of peace or false peace in all the places that we have been called to. All the places that God has placed us, our vocations. For me, I love Kean, but if you've met Kean, who just tried to climb up on the stage, there is no peace and quiet in my home. But whether it is a husband or a wife or a brother or a sister or a roommate or a neighbor who is so loud that it seems like they're living with you, 
There does not seem to be a lot of peace in our world. And when there is peace, it's hard to keep it. At work, whether it's a bonus not coming through or everyone is tired and cranky at the end of the year, uh, or everyone's just sitting, waiting to be done, waiting for that day off, for that day of peace that they can go home and worry about their work and have this mounting sense of debt about all the things that they're not getting done. Or whether it's peace in our community. We know that there continues to be turmoil. We know that people continue to be threatened, that people are told to stay in their homes, that businesses that probably rightly deserve harsh treatment are receiving or threatening vengeance instead of justice. So what is peace? If you were to look it up in a dictionary, it would sound something like this. People being in harmony, an absence of violence. People having freedom from hostile aggression and freedom from the threat of violence between people groups. If you ask me, that's a pretty tall order. In fact, oftentimes, even in Scripture... Specifically, when Jeremiah was speaking to God's people, he told them, look, you have all these prophets out here that uh, they're putting little plasters on a gaping wound that is full of infection. They're saying, peace, peace, when there is no peace. But Isaiah, as well as Jeremiah, promised something more than that little plaster on the gaping wound. In Isaiah 40, we read this, Comfort, comfort, my people, says your God. Right after this, we have a prophecy about John the Baptist, which, of course, is going to be pointing to Jesus, his person, and his work. And it's in these passages of Scripture that we begin to see what real peace looks like. Because the reality is when Jeremiah was speaking, when Isaiah was speaking that, yes, there was going to be peace one day, but it wasn't going to be then. They were going to be carried away into captivity. They were going to be separated from everything that they knew and loved. So the idea of world peace does seem A bit laughable, especially when we hear it sung on the radio over and over and over again and in the shops. In the Bible, this word peace also includes things like prosperity. Now, typically this doesn't mean personal prosperity. This usually means the prosperity of a whole group of people, a community. It means that children are growing and growing strong and not dying. It means that there is security It means that you have the promise of land. It means happiness and health and a host of other really good things. You could look up in Deuteronomy 28 to get a fuller sense of it. But when Jesus comes, peace isn't just this nebulous thing, this cloud that's floating in the air that can never be grabbed a hold of. As Steve read for us this morning, peace is something that is proclaimed. 
It is words that are spoken about something that is true. In Isaiah chapter 9, we read this, For a child, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. A peace that does not end. Someone that actually embodies peace. Someone that is peace. Sorry, I'm getting all behind myself. At the birth of Christ, there is peace. Or is there? That's what we're asking this morning. We've talked about false peace. And we want to talk about peace between God and you. Because this is what the angels come and speak to the shepherds. Peace. We've been studying the Gospel of Mark together. And the Gospel of Mark is all about peace, actually. Leading off of that Isaiah passage, talking about John the Baptist. What is John the Baptist doing? He's coming and declaring peace. And yet what happens to John the Baptist? He gets his head cut off, everyone hates him, and there's a huge uproar throughout the city. And what happens when Jesus comes on the scene then? He's declaring peace. There is no more, you and God are no longer enemies. There is nothing standing between you and God anymore. And people want to kill Jesus for it. Seems like a strange thing for us to meet peace with. Non-peace. False peace. When Jesus is on the sea and he's sleeping and the disciples are freaking out, what happens? He says, peace, be calm. Jesus' presence and his word brings peace. In John chapter 14, verses 25 to 31, we read this. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I'm going away and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced because I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it takes place, so that when it does take place, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you. For the ruler of this world is coming. He has no claim on me. But I do as the Father has commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise and go from here. Through Jesus, all accounts of warfare and violence are settled, and peace comes. In Colossians chapter 1, we read this. I'm not going to go through the whole passage. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. Talking about Jesus. 
and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Jesus came, was born as a child, as a baby. He took on humanness for your peace. And he died on a cross for your peace. The word of God himself, Jesus declares that we are at peace with God by his blood. Jesus spilled blood for you on the cross, has caused you to no longer be an enemy of God, caused you no longer to strive for your own righteousness, caused you no, caused you, has caused you to rest in the righteousness of Christ, and has caused you to be someone who can offer peace to your neighbor as well. In Christ, we have peace between us and our neighbor. Now again, from all those things I listed at the beginning, it doesn't seem like that, right? And yet, in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 13 to 17, we read that there is a dividing wall of hostility between different types of people. It can be people that look alike and people that look differently from one another. It could be people that speak the same language and people that speak languages different from one another. The dividing wall between all people has been knocked down because there is an unrolled carpet inviting people into God's kingdom to take part in the peace that Jesus offers. And Christian, for you and for I, if you know Christ as your Savior, this is not just something that is available, this dividing wall being knocked down, but it's something that you have actually been called to take part in as well. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we read this, All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. What does that mean? That we're supposed to be friends with everyone and make sure that we get along. No. We're supposed to know that everyone has, we're supposed to let others know that everyone has been reconciled to Christ. So, I'll say it like this. It's not a question anymore. At the birth of Christ, there is peace for you. There is a peace that Christ offers for you. And right now, we can praise the Lord even though it seems like peace is delayed. It's not a testing of your faith to make you guess whether you are saved, whether that little peaceful feeling that's inside, it's not there, what do I do? That lack of peace is sometimes there to strengthen your faith not to cause you to lose it. lose it, And it's there to make the grace of God in Christ so much sweeter. And the promise of peace so much sweeter. This also reminds us that peace with God always comes through the pardon and forgiveness of sin. Never through our performance. Three stinky shepherds on a hillside I hope we're doing their jobs well, but their performance as shepherds did not bring them peace. 
angels coming, a multitude of them, and declaring peace, saying this is true, brought them peace. Jesus' life, death, and resurrection on our half is our only appeal for forgiveness, and it is our only way to peace. The Lord has blessed and is keeping you. The Lord has made his face to shine upon you in Christ. And he has been gracious to you in the person and the work of Jesus. Today, the Lord has given and promised to you all the support that you need today and will need tomorrow. And he has made you at peace. Amen. Thanks for listening, and remember that you were brought into the church by the saving work and person of Jesus. Also, that you are sent out to tell everyone about him. We look forward to you joining us for the next episode of Mountain View Scattered.